Welcome to the Toonshed Podcast, the workshop for everything music, history, theory, creative process, you name it, we discuss it. I'm your host, Make Blurry, and I'm here with my dear childhood friend and professional musician, Marty Gray, and also our very, very special guest, Brian Funk from the Music Production Podcast. Thanks for joining us, Brian. Um, we just did actually a part one to this episode over on his podcast. Definitely go there. There's so many good conversations to hear. Uh, and Brian is a man of many hats, so we're very excited to have him here on the podcast. Welcome. Yeah, thanks. It's great to be here. Um, you know, we just finished our part one, which I don't think you need to listen to in any order necessarily, but um, it was awesome talking to you guys. I love your show. I've been getting into it quite a bit, and I had a feeling we'd have a good time, and we certainly did. So this is a lot of fun. Thanks for, uh, you know, having me on the show and all that oh, good of course. Stuff. It's so <laughs> exciting to, to have you on. Because for those of you with the quickness, we talked about Brian Funk earlier uh, a few episodes ago when we were talking about sample packs. And I was saying, okay, well, there's this guy that makes sample packs a lot like the way that we were laying out on our show. And we sort of played some of them. I think we pulled out the Juno sample pack. We pulled out the DX7. I think there was like a, like a tin can weird tin can thing that you did a while back and like released it for free so we talked about that so it was great to get you on the show and sort of like pick your brain a little bit in your process and your your life and what you're doing it's awesome yeah thanks for bringing me up on that sample packs collection um you put me in really good company with like spitfire labs and uh, you know spit i mean say no more right like there's there's a great collection right there and um it, it's awesome that you use it you know you put the stuff out you have no idea where it goes and mm. you know it's really fun to to know that it's it's going someplace nice absolutely and we hope many more people uh give it a try it's fun when things go out onto the internet and you never know where they they show up and sometimes you don't get any feedback is is there anyone out there um so yeah it's i'm sure it's great to see it uh and you know see us having fun with it on our show um, Brian, I had a question for you because I know some of the things you do, I, you know, I know the music production podcast and I know the sample pack making, and I saw on your profile that you're a Ableton certified trainer as well. Um, but you know, you do, I know you do a lot of other things too. So what are the, some of the other things that you do on the musical front? Um, well, I make my own music. Um, that's definitely as much as I can, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm talking about it more than I'm actually doing it which is a great way to avoid doing the hard work of it. <laughs> but I do make music too. Um, playing a band or a three-piece rock band called Some Good Evil. We're basically a bunch of old friends getting together to play music again. And it's been going really well. Um, I teach for Berkeley Online. So there's an Ableton sampling course that's really cool. And um, my grown-up secret daytime job is a high school English teacher. Oh, nice. Yeah. I love, we love the secret daytime jobs on the show. They, uh, yeah, we all have them and yeah, they hide <laughs> in the background. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I've learned in my life. Um, is that I, I really like that because it frees me up a lot. You know, um, I don't have to do anything for money musically necessarily. I mean, it's nice to make a little money, but it's, it doesn't have to be the guiding force where, I can do the job 
you know, and um, then kind of explore and, and have a lot of fun. And uh, I, I didn't, I always thought I wanted to be in a band touring around the world and playing until I kind of started doing that. So playing in bands growing up, um, we started organizing our own little tours up and down the East Coast of the United States. And I had the time of my life, and we did it a, a couple times, probably three, four times. But there were only two-week stints. And by the time the two weeks were up, I was like, wow, this is a lot. You know, it's draining. You're zipping mm. around from place to place. Um, your health really suffers, especially if you're not careful. Um, so I realized I'm more of a homebody type of person, which I think I, I always knew that. But there's certain things like in that kind of lifestyle you just can't really have, you know, um, I, I love having dogs, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. how do you, how do you do that to have a relationship, to have a marriage, to like have a home even is really tough if you're never there. Um, and as much as I loved it and it's really fun to go places and to travel and to, when you play shows and travel that way, you kind of get inside the cultures a little bit, you know? So and then we, we organize this all ourselves. So we're playing like small places, usually bars and things like that. But you get to see what, what the world is like in those towns you travel to. And it's, it's a cool way to see things. It's just a lot. And it's, it's, you know, sleeping on cold floors in cars. Um, yeah, it's, it's, I loved it, but in very small doses. Yeah. So I'm glad I don't have to rely on that for, you know, survival. Yeah. And some things are good. You know, some things are just designed for small doses. I even feel that way about, you know, traveling in general. It can be so draining, uh, although so fun. But how you, I guess, for music's place in my life, I want it to be something that's extremely sustainable and not just that, but motivating. So, you know, having the guiding light be fun rather than uh, money or, you know, travel or some other part of it, uh, it, it kind of makes it a really sustainable and, and fun thing that I can just go after forever and it'll never sort of take me out along the way. Mm. I think it makes you value your time a little more. So as a high school teacher, we get summer vacations. So there's two months, so I have a lot of time to make music. Sometimes I feel like I make more music when I actually have work. I'm, I'm more involved because I come home, like, I only got a few hours, you know, got to do this. So um, I'm always thinking about it and always trying to make the most of my time. But when I have the summer and I have two months, it's easy to be like, we'll do it later, tomorrow. And also the weather's beautiful and you can mm -hmm. go to the beach and stuff. So it's easy to let that kind of, um, you know, the resistance of it to get in the way and, and find excuses not to do it because you feel like you have unending time. But when you <laughs> have the really obvious time constraint of like, I'm home now, I've got to go to bed at a reasonable hour if I ever want to get up tomorrow, I got to work now. Sometimes that's, in a lot of ways, I think I, I probably wouldn't do all the stuff I do if I didn't have that pressure of the time thanks to having a job <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> yeah Man, i'm taking notes right now i'm like maybe full-time musician ain't the play <laughs> 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 
<laughs> no, this is this is blowing my mind. I guess like I I find it so paradoxical. Like big swaths of time are are usually not very inspiring, and I find that like a lot of people have that same report. Mm, I totally you know? agree. Actually, I I think some of the best music I've ever made, I made in really crunch times as fast as I could. It almost felt sloppy in some ways. Um, but then I sort of look at it at the end and reflect back and think, wow, that, that was one of the best pieces of music I've ever written. It just happened and I had to keep going and there was sort of no option. It was just got to create it. Just keep going. And that really works. Um, I yeah. think it's called Parkinson's Law. Whatever, ah. it's, whatever it's called. But the idea that like a project will swell to the amount of time it is allowed something like that so if i give you two weeks to make a song it's going to take you two weeks to make a song if i give you two hours you'll make it in two hours right so it'll just mm. keep swelling so if i have two weeks to make a song i might even start it i might be productive i might spend four hours a day wor working on it but i'm gonna do like all this like really intricate stuff with like EQing my kick drums for one whole night, you know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I spent four hours doing that, and then tomorrow's four hours compressing that kick drum and just going over it and kind of like overcooking the cake, you know, right? Uh, more than you have to. And sometimes when you have just those short periods of time, you say, "What's what do I have to do to get this done? What's the most important thing that needs to happen right now?" And then you cut out all that kind of useless stuff that doesn't really push the project forward yeah i love that again we talked about it so much in the last part but it's constraints are so helpful like yeah, at, at surface level they feel like uh they feel like the antithesis to creativity but they really they really help uh when there's so many tools available and in some sense there's a lot of time available too but uh not always well creativity is really finding inventive ways to solve problems, right? So if you have infinite options, infinite time, infinite tracks, infinite everything, you don't have any problems that you have to solve anymore. And I think when I'm looking through my 9,000 kick drum samples, trying to figure out like which one fits best for the song, that's not really being creative. I'm like, just no, 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 maybe, no, maybe. Yeah, like that's not, not the creative act. But if I have this one sound and I have 10 minutes to make it fit, I might decide to run it through a distortion pedal or something and be like, okay, cool, that's going to be the kick drum sound. Because it has to be, because I have no more time to work on it. And now every decision I make after that will be based around that distorted kick drum sound I now am stuck with. As opposed to if I have endless options and time, I can go and say, maybe I should fix that distorted kick drum sample. And then I, I'm working on the new sound. Oh, I'll go back. And then you fix the kick drum, and then you realize, oh, that keyboard part just doesn't sit well anymore. So let's fix that. And you fix that, and you fix two other things, and you realize you got to fix the kick drum again. And you're not yeah. really getting anything done. Yeah, you're always going forward if you end up stuck with the sound because of that time constraint um yeah that makes me think we, we were talking about your band a little bit and today we were gonna break down that song that that you've written off the uh a newer album um but yeah can you, can you tell us a little bit about your your band's creative process because that's kind of an interesting constraint you've put on there as well 
Sure. Well, so we're a three-piece rock band. Um, I play guitar and sing. Alex is the bass player, and he sings background vocals, and Chris is the drummer. And sometimes he sings a little bit, but he kind of likes to focus on the drums. And we're all songwriters. Um, play. Chris plays every instrument. Um, I can play a little drums, enough for my songs anyway, you know. So we've all gone through this process of being in bands and then making songs on our own, and we've played in bands together. But right, at, you know, I guess it was the summer of the pandemic, you know, 2020, right when we started to feel brave enough to leave the house, we decided we would all get together to play some music. And it was, it was pretty funny. We had ourselves like as far apart as possible. Chris actually bought one of those... Um, like uh clear plastic shields for the drums so like mm -hmm. it, you know just <laughs> that are usually for sound re um you know controlling the sound but it was more for like germs <laughs> but perfect for covid <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome um yeah so like that was like the uh the the, the need for the drum shield uh was to protect our germs from each other but that's awesome. uh yeah so what we just we started with no purpose really there was just it was almost just to hang out really we just wanted to see people and we would play a little bit so we there was no pressure or anything and we just jam and the nice thing about the three of us is we've played together enough that we we know we like how each other plays you know we we enjoy our the musical contributions so there's no you don't got to be like, oh, I hope Alex doesn't screw this up with his bass playing. It's because I've played in dozens of bands with Alex for years and years. I love the way he plays the bass. And same feeling for everybody. Uh, so we would just kind of jam and we're comfortable. And we just, whatever happens, we just let happen. Even if it's stupid and silly, we just let it happen and we just get through it. And we, you know, we always record everything because it's easy enough to record. If you were to listen to like any of our practices, pretty much every time a song ends, we burst out laughing. You know, we're just having fun. <laughs> so perfect. After like a time or two of doing that, we were listening back. I was like, we got some like cool ideas here, and from there we just sort of decided like, it's it's not really hard for us to come up with stuff. We can just kind of jam, and something will happen. So why don't we just only make songs that we come up with while we're together? Because we've all had that experience of now getting to do it by yourself for a long enough time that maybe when I was younger, there were a lot of frustrations about playing with other people where you wish they would just play this part that you had in mind. Or you like wrote the song for the band and you bring it and you have an idea of what everyone should do. I've already demoed it on my four track. I know this is the beat. This is the bass line. And you're just kind of like dictating to the other people what they should do. We're... I've gotten to do that now. I've got a computer that can allow me to do all this stuff myself. So let's just embrace what, whatever the other person brings to the table. And since again, we all trust each other and like what we play, it was just as freeing actually to not worry about what the bass is doing and to not worry about what the drums are doing and to just go with the flow of what's happening. Um, have that open mind with other people and also to be open to like if you don't like what i'm playing like okay that's cool like because i know you're okay with me 
it's not you don't like my guitar part you don't it's not like you don't like me you yeah. know and, and if i really love that guitar part i'll make a song at home with it it's fine like the, nothing's precious nothing's that important the important thing is that we have this harmonious experience playing with each other that's so but, nice to hear i it makes me think this is kind of a, a random aside but a long time ago i was reading some article that google put out about making you know the perfect teams um at, in a workplace setting um so in the tech field right i think they called it project aristotle but the number one factor for a good team on their list was uh an emotional safe space where you know you can you can be wrong you can throw bad ideas out you can be silly and burst out laughing at the end of the song and everyone there sort of understands where the other people are coming from and there's no pressures to be a certain way to perform a certain way all the time uh and that was i mean their outcome was productivity which isn't necessarily relevant here but i still think that emotional safe space is such a great thing to build especially in a musical setting where you're very you know it's it's your idea but it's sort of not your idea so you're you're vulnerable in a way and, and you want to be uh you know just having fun with your friends so yeah it seems like kind of the perfect band that uh is so hard to achieve of course in high school when there's all these conflicting values and you're still figuring all those things out which is part of the fun but yeah it's so cool to hear that that that's something you've uh made possible in your life yeah and that that sort of brand of creative process like it can be difficult to get there and i think like allowing yourself that allowance is um yeah, what's the adjective? I don't know. R freeing is great. Because I feel like there's a preconceived notion, especially when people come together to create music, that things have to be a certain way. Or someone is responsible for coming up with this. Another person is responsible for playing this. Right? I feel that way more and more in like the rap slash beat maker setting. That dynamic can be very structured and very like, the delineation of um, responsibilities is very clear. Like the producer is responsible for making the beat and the hip hop artist is then responsible for hearing the beat, saying, yes, I want to rap on that, and then writing lyrics and making hip hop. But more and more you get these situations where people are sort of breaking down those barriers and saying, all right, well, now the hip hop artist wants to like have a certain say in what goes into the production and there's you know the producer is saying well i'm gonna write uh you know a beat around these lyrics or like i want to write like a beat inspired by these lyrics and so there's more of a collaborative thing but it can be very difficult to allow yourself that freedom or to even like think of that mode of creativity so like finding new ways to like invent the creative process for your own situation is awesome and it's like an, an allowance that you should allow yourself, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is great. I'm so happy that like you found that with your friends. Hmm. That's amazing. Oh, me too. And I think it was probably necessary to go through that, you know, those other times, like, you know, when I was in bands in high school, I had a much narrower musical taste. I didn't have the experience of interacting with other. I didn't understand how hard it was to be in a band with people and to make sure that communication is clear. Um, 
and I never had the experience of actually doing stuff on my own and kind of scratching that itch. So, I mean, I was definitely not at the same maturity that I am now. And I did think if you didn't like my guitar part, you didn't like me. <laughs> and I was mad, you know, <laughs> like, you just don't want me to play. That's what it is, isn't it? Like, <laughs> I don't even matter in this band. Like, like all this stuff will go on in your head, you know. And it wasn't always as clear either. We didn't have these things, you know, kind of planned out. Like we said to like, let's just work on songs we come up with together. And, and all these songs are written by us. You know, even if in the moment one person has all the ideas, so what? It wouldn't happen if we weren't all here. You know, just even if, I were to come up with all the parts of a song, I wouldn't come up with those parts if I didn't see Alex smile or if Chris didn't come in with the beat and start like grooving with me and, or, or, you know, just all that energy that happens, like it only happens because we're all there. And I, I mean, it's clear as day when you look at like songs I write at home by myself, they're not as energetic. They're sometimes like moodier and darker and, when I'm with them, it tends to have like more energy and, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that happens that doesn't happen when I'm by myself. So it's kind of seems ridiculous to me to, for anyone to take complete ownership of that stuff. So we just decided, you know, this is only happening because we're all here. And after you play with enough people over time, you start to see like there's some people you just click with and you have a chemistry with and others you don't. And the thing that we've all agreed upon is we have something that we all enjoy, that we have a lot of fun with. So we're gonna really lean into that. You know, it doesn't make sense to fight that if it's working so well. If we can just start playing on any given day and come up with a few different musical ideas we really like and think have potential, why are we gonna try to mess with that formula? Well, the way yeah. you describe it sounds perfect. Uh, now I want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Maybe I we should do. Uh, let's let's do a little listen. Okay. So, um, all right. So I'll, I guess I can just hit play, basically. So I'll just tell you a little preamble about this. One thing that we also decided too. Uh, we had a lot of different kinds of songs we were coming up with jams on, but at the time. I was really listening to a lot of the cars. Um, mm. We were also like, you know, we'd play and then we'd listen to music and we'd put on Joy Division. Uh, we put, we had a lot of music that had a lot of like eighth note guitar strumming. Mm -hmm. So we kind of decided to select for those songs. Like we had other things that were maybe more ballady or more different kind of strumming, but we just said, let's pick like those songs. It was like kind of driving songs. So we went with that. And, this is one of those songs where like we just started playing on some chords and then we came up with another chord progression and then just started I usually just start blabbering vocals until I find things I like but it came really easy it just kind of it just kind of popped out and you know maybe when you hear it you it won't be that surprising because there's nothing too insanely weird that happens but um, it's it's because we all kind of just say okay that's what he's playing. Let's go with it. Let's see what we can do with it. So that spirit is is within everything we do. So I uh, love that. 
do you want me to i can share my screen for you guys too so you can kind of oh, cool. see what's going on yeah that'd be fun okay so you should see it and i'll i'll hit play here goes Love rock and That's roll. That's awesome. I <laughs> love it. So good. I love rock and roll too. Feeling. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. satisfying, and it, it feels so free. I, I'm I'm glad we did all that preamble because you totally sense all that in it. It's so fun. Um, oh, yeah, I miss rock and roll. Even that just <laughs> wouldn't happen uh, by myself, you know. Um, just that like excitement of the other guys, you know, like 
nodding along. Because, look, I mean, like, this song is, uh, the verse is two chords. The chorus is the same two chords, just twice as long. Mm-hmm. And then the, like, pre-chorus is two chords. Um, I probably would have been, like, at some point, eh, it's, I got to throw in something weird. And, <laughs> you know, I might yeah. have let my, I, I often think, like, I got to be more intelligent or something. But I think where we were intelligent was like um, a lot of the structure and um, the harmonies and little like riffs thrown in there. Um, and just really the feel is the important thing. Like the, it's, there's like a celebratory thing. Um, and I, th- and you know, we were talking about um, in the first part about like putting your song into focus so like you get this idea, you start to get something, then you have to like kind of bring it into focus. And we had like a few lines here and there. Um, I think we had the first line pretty much right away. That's like, um, I had a feeling that something was wrong. And then we also had the like love being with you for the chorus. So eventually we were like, okay, so the idea is like, there's a problem and maybe this isn't the most healthy thing to be involved in but you love it anyway. You can't help it. So just getting those like initial ideas together and the focus of the song, then everything starts to make more sense, you know? And like we decided to end it on like the minor chord because it's, this is kind of a bad thing, <laughs> you know, <you're, laughs> yeah. but, but you can't help it. So you're like the hell with it. I'm going to just like crash this, ride this plane into the crash, you know, whatever. But to just, um, get those like to it's all about for me focusing in and honing in on that idea and the sooner you can do that then everything just starts to make sense all the other parts come together like the little guitar riff thing after um the verse i guess i could just play it for you it's like kind of quirky um like those chromatic notes Mm -hmm. you know that that goes in with this like kind of awkward thing like you know this is wrong but like uh, like it it just kind of uh, informs a lot of the decisions you make when you get the picture of the song yeah it's great to see yeah the guided decision making because of course there's a million ways you could go with this rock is such a such a broad genre, right? There's tons of things that are quintessentially rock. So how do you adapt them? How do you pick and how do you fit in with that? Well, yeah, some dissonance in between a, a good thing and maybe an awkward thing coming together is, yeah, it's really cool to see all the little mm. musical elements that echo that idea. Yeah, all, quick aside, did I peep my favorite Brian Funk Juno preset? You did, which the is comfort so funny. Pad? I saw that too, uh, the <laughs> Juno comfort pad. It's a very <laughs> subtle thing going on here. Um, like I'll solo it for you. I gotta move Literally, on. this p- exact preset is all over my third record. <laughs> oh, wow. You, <laughs> so you got to hear this. Almost every song gets in there. Wow. <laughs> it's so good. This is just behind the chords of the pre-chorus. It's it's meant to be almost imperceptible. Mm-hmm. And then it's in the chorus too. I saw it, but I didn't hear it. Yeah, it seemed like a backing layer. It 
it's really tucked in. Um, because mm -hmm. if uh, we listen to say the pre chorus, maybe uh, I guess it doesn't, we'll do this one. How about the second one? It's, if you see the notes, they're actually rising. Because a little bit of the, the kind of like eighth notey palm muted guitar drops out at that point. So I just wanted something to sort of fill in that space a little bit and to just raise the tension a little bit, a little bit of support. Yeah. yeah, also something to fill in that like higher frequency space where the lower guitars don't sit. Right. That's good. Yeah, a little bit of a rising melody going on, and um, it's it's meant to be felt more than the heard. Mm -hmm. I feel yeah, that. And, and one of the, like, you know, this is a big thing for us, too, with the album, is we could have gone crazy synthesizers and all kinds of tracks. I mean, if you look, there are a lot of tracks here, but it's a guitar, bass, and drum song. Yeah. You know, so uh, we decided not to go wild with ear candy and what and all that sort of stuff so any of the synth stuff except for like one song really is very subtle and it's a more supportive role that's cool i sense that that sort of stays true to the whole idea of you three getting together sort of the vibe of it yeah it, it is and and that's again like clarifying these things was really important deciding like we want it to sound like a band you know we can we can go wild we know a lot of tricks in the studio right but we want to sound like a band in this recording i i hope that's how it comes across that is how it comes across yeah for oh, sure yeah. i want to ask so what was the the very beginning of what this song was in its infancy like who came up with the first thing and like it might even be difficult to remember because i know you said this was all like very sort of like spur of the moment jam based stuff. But do you do you happen to remember like who you know, who looked over at who and and sort of like got the ball rolling? What was that like? Um I think I was banging away on those chords. And then I believe Chris started doing the Tom drum beat. Cool. You know? And I remember thinking about the vocal melody that I wanted it to have a wide range. You know, like that big jump. Yeah. Um, and I think I had a feeling just popped out of my face, you know, just <laughs> I got lucky. And, and that's, yeah. that's why it's so important to be like free with people. Like I could say anything really. It doesn't matter. Even if it, comes out offensive totally by mistake like off color it wouldn't matter you know they would they would just laugh or whatever um so it's what i actually say is not a problem it's really a matter of finding the shape the melody and like where the consonants sit where the vowels sit which vowel and a lot of times the words just start to grow you know you start to find the shape and I think that happened for a lot of these songs on the record is I had maybe little things here and there and melodies, but then once in a while you say the thing and you're like, oh, there it is. This one in particular though, 
really came together like that day. It was, yeah. it was almost all there, you know, just sort of happened. Wow. Um, I had to refine the lyrics a little, write them down and, uh, figure them out a little bit over like a couple weeks of practicing, but it was pretty, we never really had to sit down too much and write them. We just kind of would record, listen back. And I'd say like, oh, I like the way I said that. I like this line here. Um, you know, and yeah, then that's just great. little things. Um, I always encourage Alex to sing as much as possible. Just, just as if you're like this, another singer, you know, not even don't think of his background. And then we pare it down we decide like where it goes, you know, where to take it out for impact. Yeah, it's fantastic. And that I think that's another example of like, if you were in a less familiar space, like you said before, the first instance of those lyrics sort of fell out of your face. <laughs> I love yeah, the way you described it, that. It's like, like that. Yeah. That's how I always like to write lyrics these days is um, even by myself, I just, I just blabber. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's not even words I'm saying. And sometimes it, it's, it's a sentence that doesn't make any sense. But you find things. You start to find like, oh, like that E sound is good for that high note. Mm-hmm. Like in feeling. Like uh, it just fits for whatever reason. Yeah. And I think that's a difficult thing to do if you don't feel comfortable with the people you're with. Or if you're in like sort of an unfamiliar space or even alone. Like it can be mm-hmm. very awkward to like blabber alone. <laughs> like, you know, that's a that's like a product of the of your surroundings for sure. It's that way with all the instruments, really. I mean, it, it, everything's a leap of faith. You know, we're just, you, it's like there's a train going by and you're just trying to run and catch it. You, whether it's Alex is playing something on the bass and you're trying to figure out what to do with it or Chris starts with a beat. Like, we're all just trying to, like, ride the train. And no one's really trying to, like, say, don't take the train in that direction, turn it around. Mm-hmm. It's just like, oh, this is what we have to work with, so let's see what we can do. Cool. I mean, so it's a very guitar focused track that I'm seeing in my screen. Can you solo play the first sort of chuggy thing you came up with? And then maybe you can take us through the rest of the guitar layers that you laid down. Sure. So that would be this, I think. So what do you decide to go with here? What amp and uh, okay, so what's so- the like amp mic idea? So we experimented a lot and this is, I'm playing my Strat and it looks like I've got my, it says Fender Deluxe on both. That might, I don't think that's right though. (laughs) Okay. Um, Let me, I'll listen to one at a time. Uh, Oops, let's go back to that. I think what this is, so that sounds like my deluxe with a tiny bit of spring reverb. Mm-hmm. And I think this one, that's much drier. That could be, I have this really little cheap Fender amp. Um, it's almost like a practice amp. It's like it's like a $100 Fender amp. It's sweet. Um, I, I don't know for sure. I think that's a, a labeling problem to be honest with you, that I named them both deluxe because they, they can't both be deluxe. It's the same performance, just two different mics, mm-hmm. I think. <laughs> well, that tiny little Fender amp, the choice is that maybe you want it to sound like trashier, or like 
thrashier or something or yeah chuggier what what's it's, what's the decision there it's dirtier mm-hmm it's got the character you want they're, they're very similar it's tough to say <laughs> I love the character it feels raw like it doesn't mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like a you know perfectly mixed engineered right in your face like here's the guitar you know it's just kind of this like it feels like you're at the show kind of sound um mm. it's a yeah, great choice and and we wanted yeah. we wanted that you know we didn't want it to be super slick or anything yeah mm-hmm. um yeah so then after that guitar goes down then what's what's the next one so that guitar we we did the bass probably before that even um and the bass, you can see it's really chopped up. It's because my bass just makes a lot of noise. I've mm. got this old Univox bass, and it just buzzes like crazy. So I, I just went in here and deleted all the spaces. Painstakingly nice. went through the trouble of doing that, you know? And this is going yeah. through Amplitude. Wonder if I can just like activate a little. You can see like that level right there. You can if you're listening, but the little bit of level here. Uh, yeah. Let's see. Yeah. Little Let's fuzz see. there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just cleaned it up a lot to take that out. It's, and yeah, I, I said, you know what, the hell with it. I'll just do it for the whole song. There's a there's a pause almost <laughs> every couple notes, but. Yeah. Why not? You know, it accents the pause a lot. I feel like because it's do do do, and then it's like cut off right away. There's no. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that noise is just garbage. You know, in the mix, it was just, and that's something like I've learned is if you have a little bit of garbage here, a little bit of garbage there, it just eats up your headroom, eats up the space in the mix. Yeah, and that could be like in the low end, you just cutting out frequencies you don't need, or it could literally be the buzzing of the guitars. Yeah. Yeah, like you said before, it's like something you can feel. That like self handcrafted gating, I feel yeah. like that's a good move for bass. Yeah, just, I like, probably helps the tried so the much. gate. I probably tried a gate on here. I probably tried as much as I can to avoid doing it by hand. <laughs> yeah, I do the same thing. I'm like, but the gate sometimes doesn't give you like the feeling that you want. You want more of like the straight cut off. Well, this know? bass line too is it's it's got a lot of transient in the beginning. Yeah. And, and I even tried to reduce a little bit of that with a compressor here. Um, but I didn't want to lose it. So the gate kind of misses that. It, it's just like a little too late for that. Yep. Mm. So. Yeah, it's a good move for bass hand. more often than not. Yeah. I like the attitude too of keeping the character. Like you want to compress the transient a little bit, but you don't want to lose it. You know, you. Anything that comes through is a character. You don't have to keep everything, but uh, you want to hold it there. Yeah, that feeling. Yeah, why play with a pick at all if you if you don't want the little clack at the beginning? Right. (laughs) We did acoustic guitars. Oh wow! This was a really fun way to to do the acoustics too. This they come in at the pre-chorus. I really use the acoustics as like textures. Mm Mm-hmm. So beautifully hard penned. You're hearing four guitars, even though it's two tracks. Um, Tell me about that. So I've 
I took a C414, um, AKG C414, and it's got the figure eight pattern, and I put it right in the middle of Alex and I. So we both played the guitar together, um, and at the same time with this mic picking up both of us on the same side. So on each one of these tracks, there's two of us, you know, the two of us. So fun. And then that and, whole track is hard panned. And that whole track is hard panned. Oh, that's cool. And so then, what you're doing is you're getting one track that's close and then the other track is sort of like, is like a depth. Or like the other guitars is just like added depth. They, it's pretty equal in their volumes. Mm. Um, so we did it that way. Then we just switched guitars so that we were playing our parts on two different guitars. I see. And then we doubled it. How cool. That's awesome. And this this technique worked really well for the whole record. Um, I didn't always keep both tracks. Sometimes I wound up muting one of them. But it, it gave that, you know, we're playing together feeling because everything else is pretty much recorded uh, in isolation. Um, we recorded the drums. We were playing along with Chris, but we were playing through, like, um, headphones. You know, we were, the guitars were only coming out of the headphones. So at least we had the feeling that we were playing together. Um, but then all the other parts are separate, but by playing the acoustics together, it's got that feeling of, you know, two people playing together that, and it, for me, it was like, I don't know. The only way I could describe it was like, it sounds like there's a party going on now. It's like, if mm -hmm. I play it without it, uh, if I bring him in. Sorry, let me do it again. If I drop them out. Mm -hmm. They're also kind of like doing a little noodling here. Yeah, it's a I great layer. I yeah. really like the acoustic guitars doing the rhythms while the electric is playing some sort of lead. I didn't, uh, you know, we don't have a rhythm guitar player, so I was originally doing the uh, rhythm guitar on the electric, but it gets in the way of the lead. So the acoustics kind of fill that in a little bit without competing with the electric so much. Oh, so I like that. We did a lot of that using acoustics as rhythm guitars. While, especially while leads are happening. And they, you can bring them in and out in interesting ways. And there's certain tracks on the album where it's it's really powerful, where that maybe the electric is really laying out, but the acoustics come in and fill things out. And then when you drop the acoustics out, you feel like the floor kind of go away. And there's this new texture without them. So you can, That's you can a play classic games. element of rock, too, is you know the floor drops out for a second and we're in this... You know, we're in this like transition zone and then everything comes back in. It's this big blast in the face. Uh, and that feels so good, that contrast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we got like a little spot here, actually. It looks like um, where the acoustics play these kind of like. This is in the verse. So that comes in now I must cry. right here. And I'll take your share. That's great. And on the it's other side, sparkle. 
it's it, paired with the burner right the electric yeah so That's they're good. kind of like playing off each other a little bit but i i think um you don't see it here because i deleted it all but we played through the whole thing and then it was a matter of deciding when we want them to come in when we don't want them to come in take them out yeah it's cool so all of the arrangement stuff doesn't have to be preconceived it can sort of be like decided upon later you can sort of like almost sculpt the song at a later time i really like mixing or, or arranging by subtraction mm. you know we talked a little bit about that i think on the first half of the show how sometimes it's better when you take things out you know when, you, when you're working on track and you realize it sounds better without that thing so it's fun to the thing is when you're working on a song and it's not complete yet you're i find that i'm trying to make it sound complete so i might like i don't know if we did it on this song no i think by now we knew better <laughs> but um i was recording i was doubling and tripling my rhythm parts that i would normally play with the band when we're performing and that was because when it was only drums, bass, and guitar, it sounded so full. It was great. Like, it sounds huge right now. But then we start adding in all the other stuff, and it's like there's no room for anything anymore. So I wound up deleting most of those doubled guitars. Maybe once in a while I'd, I'd keep it in there just for, like, impact at certain places. But it's very tempting to make your song sound complete at every stage of the process. Mm-hmm. So I got caught up in that a little bit, and a lot of what I wound up doing was taking stuff out. Yeah, I saw these sort of clips deactivated and was wondering, you know, is part of that silence or part of that just, you yeah. know, trying to make the, the highs and the lows more different, which is such a key part of building the stress in music, the good stress, that is. Right, a lot of deactivated stuff. Um, this, this is... Um, something i'm proud of in a way because it's like a two birds with one stone type of thing hmm. this guitar feedback track so alex has this little orange amp like the company orange it's also mm -hmm. the color orange it's this little tiny thing and um i was plugging in a fender jagstang into it it's got a humbucker pickup and i was just cranking that amp up as loud as it would go and making all these feedback noises and i did that for the whole track, as you can see, for every song, I was just making all these feedback noises. I knew I was gonna have feedback, like right here, there's a little feedback swell uh, before the big chorus. So like in context, what was such a hear that? Yeah. Um, but I did this for all the tracks, and then I turned it into a sample pack. So, no way. Yeah, I made a guitar pack, a feedback sample pack. Yes, sir. And, um, that's awesome. Because, like, I can't always make guitar feedback. And, in fact, my wife is great. She <laughs> will put up with all the weird noises I'm making all the time, right? All the, like... I can have a song looping do, 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 for hours. You know, you know how it is when you're working on a track. You, like mm -hmm. most people would think you're a lunatic. She she's never said anything. 
until the day I made this feedback pack. <laughs> so I'm just like down here for like hours, just blasting this guitar feedback noise. And she's like, what the hell are you doing? Because <laughs> it's, just, it's just the most awful sound like in isolation. In the, in the track, you know, it builds tension and it alerts you that something's coming. But um, I, I knew I wanted to just have those sounds that I could use at any time. And so I made a sample pack out of it. And then I sampled the feedbacks and made instruments you can play using feedback sounds like throughout on the keyboard. So it was like, awesome. Yeah. So I like to think about that a lot when I'm doing stuff is like how I can kind of like almost like double dip on a project, you know, with something I can take away. And, and even like, you know, in in doing all this stuff, I want to make like tutorials about this and like, you know stuff for youtube material Mm -hmm. that i can teach with and also i'm simultaneously you know on the low promoting our music you know right Um, oh of course i'm actually go grab that feedback pack i have multiple times found myself going to splice and typing in feedback on (laughs) splice because i just like i don't have an amp at home i have to go to the studio and like record it myself Hmm. and that's a lot that's like the case with a lot of people like I know a lot of bedroom producers that don't have an amp; they just DI their guitar. Yeah, I love DIing the guitar. I, Amplitude is great. There's probably tracks, guitar tracks on here that use it. Um, the the bass used it, I think, on the whole entire album. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not on the guitars on this track, but I love it. But you can't really do feedback on it. Because you need right. the interaction with the speaker, and that's something you miss. As good as those sounds are, you do miss the like physical interaction of the sound coming out of the speaker back into your pickup and all whatever happens that creates feedback like that. So yeah, it's cool to have that. You know, it's like right here on the on my solo. I, I doubled it, but I wound up not using it. You know, it sounded better without the double. But again, that's a, that's an example of the um, needing to make it feel full before it's done. Mm, so yeah. you just kind of keep adding stuff. And it's it was really great having the other guys in the band to listen back to this stuff and say, eh. Um, the biggest thing that I think they helped me out with were the vocals. Um, hmm. I always hide behind vocal effects you know but they were they were like it sounds better when it's drier when it's cleaner so um if i were to oh yeah we we have a a long foray into vocals and just like your own self critique on vocals i think is a huge deal it's really yeah. hard because it, vocals especially because like it's your body too right so it's, mm-hmm. you have to you have to be in this mode where you're listening if it's in tune, if it's timing wise, okay. But then you also have to be emotional. And a lot of the emotion comes when you kind of go a little off tune or you're a little early or late in your timing. Oh yeah. So, so there's, yeah. there's so much <laughs> conflict in trying to decide if you have a good vocal take. And one way that helps is to just like drench it in a whole bunch of delay and reverb. 
Yeah, and Marty, you were saying uh, in one of our episodes, like limiting your listening back is so important too, because when you hear your own voice back, there's this tendency to not like it. There's like this, we have a whole episode on it because it's such a tendency to be like, oh, I sound weird outside of my own skull. Like usually I can hear my skull vibrating and that changes the quality of my voice, right? So mm-hmm. yeah, when we were doing uh, vocals in, that, in one of our episodes, uh, kind of limiting that listening back can be such an interesting way to uh, distance yourself from the critique when it's not really needed. Yeah, and one of the easiest hacks to get around that is have someone else do your vocals. (laughs) Or just have someone else in the room telling you what you're hearing. Because it really is objectively impossible to, like, hear your own vocals as other people hear them. You can't do it. Yeah. And it's hard to do it with another person, you know, because you have to go through the, uh, like you gotta let go and and be vulnerable i i bet Mm. we could look at our take lanes here just to see like now look this can't be true it says it's three (laughs) he's got he's got three (laughs) takes yeah (laughs) oh there's all the rest of them yeah yeah yeah. there we go so there's five for that verse three Mm -hmm. and then like this one line took me you know a lot of tries yep so yeah there's it's uh it's tough because you 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 have to be in both places at once but they really pointed out and especially chris was how when you clean them up when you take a lot of those effects out you get like much more intimate you can hear all the details of the voice and um you know that's the point in this song so um there's really just some light reverb and light echo on them i had a feeling that something was wrong i didn't believe it i waited too long it's not too much it's it's as much as i was allowed to get away with yeah (laughs) yeah but yeah right but i like that you hear the like in like those higher notes Mm -hmm. um there's tension yeah, that was getting smoothed out a little too much with the reverb. Hmm. And um, it brings it up closer. It makes it like more like somebody's like in your ear. Yeah. Reverb does kind of take things farther away, which I, I assume can be a lot more comfortable of a feeling. But of course, like you were saying earlier, there's a lot of tension in this song. There's sort of a, a good thing and an awkward thing playing together. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need that tension right next to you. You got to feel it. Well, it got me playing like... with. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say I don't think I did it in this track, but it got me playing with reverb is more of um, for emotional impact. So I would have it pretty low, but maybe on like certain lines, turn it up a little bit. So there's like a couple. So one song I'm thinking of in particular, like I kind of like scream the last line and the reverb comes up on that like last word so that when i'm done screaming it kind of fills out the room but you still get like the grittiness of the voice breaking up on the screen so i i started thinking more about reverb for like emotional impact rather oh. than and just like put a reverb on and leave it the automate I love this, that, that. Mm-hmm. i love that actually i heard this artist the song I go through these cycles where I get obsessed with one song and I play it 600 times. 
And when the vocalist goes up in pitch, she adds reverb, which is such an interesting effect too. Uh, there's so many unique ways to put it, but yeah, in, in her song, like when she goes up in pitch, those are the more stressed moments of the song. So again, it's that emotional impact. It's so mm. nice. I used to do this thing back in the day before I had a computer where I would take a condenser mic, put it about a foot away from my mic, and a dynamic mic about the same distance. Normally dynamic, you put much closer to your mouth because it's not as sensitive. On the dynamic mic, I'd have the delay and the reverb or whatever so that it didn't really hear much of what I was doing until I got loud. And then only those like louder parts would get hit with the delay. So it, the condenser mic was really the main mic, but whenever I got louder or higher, the dynamic mic would pick it up and it would have that little bit of reverb and delay. So it made it sort of sound like you were in a bigger space, but it didn't really come through till you got loud. That's awesome. That's brilliant. That's, that's so fun. That's how we record opera at the studio. That's how oh, we really? like, yeah, that's how we like falsify a, 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 like a concert hall, <laughs> hmm. which is really fun. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, I've never thought to do that with anything other than opera before. Yeah, it's love that. It, it uh, it kind of you know now you can automate it and really dial it in, but before I could do that, that was, and I only had one delay unit, so I couldn't. I wanted to get it on on tape or whatever I was recording on. Mm -hmm. So that was the way I figured out to do it, and uh, it worked pretty well. But even you know back then I was still covering things in too much reverb and delay. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's all a part of like becoming like sort of the maturing musical process. You know, you start to find what uh, gets that emotional effect to come across. It's hard. And um, it, it was really helpful to have them there to like tell me, you know, what they thought. And like if they liked it, I, I, I was like, OK, you know, I'll go with it. And it, it like helps you like it more. Yeah. <laughs> oh of course yeah. and th like that's a decision that's a product of the space too like you would have made that call if it wasn't for the people in the room yeah which is cool that's like a it's an element of collaboration that you wouldn't think would exist when you think about collaboration it's another way that the you know like what you were describing about your band initially how it's all about making these decisions together and just smiling and nodding them off and you know finding what you like you know Carrying that through to playing two acoustic guitars to, uh, you know, editing the vocals. It's like the whole process is, is a band process. Uh, and that's, that's kind of unique, I think. A lot of times things are passed and everyone has their job and, um, you know, the effect is totally different. It wasn't always easy to hear, you know. I mean, when they said take some of those effects off the vocals, I was like, but I took me a long time to get those there, <laughs> you know? But well, that's the thing about singing too, is it like, again, the way that you hear your own voice mostly is like self-correction. You're like, oh, okay, am I a good singer? <laughs> is this sung well? And the way that other people hear it is like, oh, how does this, how, how do the words that they're saying connect to what they really feel and what they mean, right? And so it's like very impossible for you to hear that yourself because of course you mean what you sing but it's it, it just goes back to like my, my favorite cover of landslide 
is the cover that the Smashing Pumpkins do mm. <laughs> because Ooh. of the way that he sings it. Oh, I love the way he sings. And I used he, to, as a kid, I used to not at all. I used to think <laughs> it was like terrible, but I don't know what the hell is wrong with me because, I mean, when I listen to Billy Corgan and same recordings too, I'm just like, God, like the way he'll go from like a scream to like the soft, like it's uh, brilliant, and and not at all the way that you would ever teach someone how to sing properly, ever, and that's why it works, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's so wrong. Yeah. But that's that's an element of singing that is very very difficult to convey to people and to teach. Um, and sometimes you need to learn that lesson with others. I, I learned a ton and it was through the guys in the band and I also did podcasts and there's another great reason to do a podcast. I, I had, um, one guy was Bill small talking about singing and he, he really, um, emphasized the, um, I had a vocal coach too say the same thing. They emphasized like focus on what you're saying, not so mm -hmm. much hitting the notes, you know? So, um, and, and I think I was way more concerned with, am I hitting the notes, but it was more like, tell the story, you know, you're, you're telling the story of the song. So hearing that, like, I had a feeling, you know, like, ah, like it's more important for you to get like feeling than like feeling, you know, the perfect <laughs> note. Yeah. So, and, and sometimes like when, I, when we're singing together, I'll, I'll realize like, Hey, we're not really like telling the story we're just hitting the note and like mm -hmm. th who cares kind of like of course you, you got to hit the note but like it's so much more important to like tell the story and i mean bob dylan right yeah and i mean all my favorite singers are are not gonna win american idol you know but they have like the coolest voices like billy corgan's not gonna win american idol neil young is not gonna win american idol but I'd way rather listen to either one of them than anyone that has won American Idol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. There's that's just, the character. Yeah, it's the character, you know, and, and that's what's so cool about vocals is everyone's got their own character. It's just like built in. It's like every single person is a different guitar, like Les Paul, Strat, like everyone is that, you know, so... Leaning into that is important. Yeah. Definitely. Well, again, we don't we don't sing things for people to have them be so impressed with the way that we move our vocal muscles. We like sing things to people to like tell them a story, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Yeah, and and yeah, it just took that being told that, you know, to pay attention to like what you're saying. How does it I really wanted all the lyrics to sound like the way you would say them. It's something I really was paying attention to with all of these songs. You just, that's like how you would say it. <laughs> right. Then it sounds right at the end of the day. If the emotion and the expression match, it just sounds right. It fits. Mm. Yeah. Like the important words hit the high note, you know, and they, the more the tension happens on here and there, you know, it's, I think that's what's so good about the gibberish method of coming up with lyrics is you, you just kind of find it naturally. Yeah. Yeah. I think if you, you know, take a melody and 
write it on the piano and break down every attribute. Okay, I want to have jumps and I want to have eighth notes, but I also want to have some longer notes and, you know, mixing all these things together. And then, okay, now let's set the text. Okay, now let's set the vocal character. And you went through that whole long, difficult process. Would you really end up with a better melody than just sort of finding the natural expression of it through kind of mumbling out the lyrics? I don't, I don't know that you would necessarily. I don't know. I have a rapper friend who has that method too, which is weird because you wouldn't think that rap you wouldn't think it would work but he has he like listens to the beat and then he does a an actual track of like <laughs> and he just like blows out the verse and then he goes back and he he like asks me to loop it for him while he writes the verse out so he like writes words to his own gibberish which i think is huh. it's cool it's cool that it's it works for rap fun. too yeah Cause you go and just like, that's just like getting like the visceral energy of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? you know, he knows how he wants it to feel. He just like, you know, if only mm. he could make the words up right then, then it would be perfect. Right. You know? Yeah. I highly recommend the gibberish method of lyric writing. <laughs> I love that. Maybe we should patent that the gibberish method. Yeah. <laughs> well, I've, heard other people steven tyler says he that's how he does it you know oh that's cool i love that just probably yeah. like why he's got the yabba-dabba-dooba he's just like yeah, that just yeah. sounds cool just leave it <laughs> <laughs> so many singers do that too like the the guy from the talking heads uh is always doing these little hoo-hoo-hoo things and no mm. one could do it like he can and um i don't know modest mouse like all these sort of weird voc- vocal sounds that just once they are in that song, they just could never be sampled and put somewhere else with the same feeling. It's just so mm. right for that moment. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. You've got me thinking of like Psycho Killer is, oh, 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 oh. yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, like you wouldn't write that, right? If you were writing it out, like if you yeah. were doing it, I'm sure that just has to come out of you. Yeah. Uh, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh 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 huh. Like you don't write that yeah. down. <laughs> that makes yeah. me picture like a karaoke machine with the the little yeah. dot bouncing right. over the lyrics, and you're like, "How does this work right here?" <laughs> like, if you don't know the song, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome. That was so. That's such a good song, and there's. I mean, Brian, I feel like we could we could go all day. Um, we should probably put some sort of natural end to this um but yeah it's been so lovely having you and uh i love i love your band it's inspiring i want to go find some friends and and try to recreate that because it really feels like uh a perfect culmination of of musical fun uh just driving fun creativity and you know kind of working out all the kinks together and yeah it sounds like a, a really good match it is really a culmination of that you know we really went into it with no expectations and again i think the fact that it was kind of the first time i'd seen people during mm. covid time mm. we we're just happy to be together you know we we're just happy to play together and really appreciated it and um you know we've kind of got our own musical things going so it's low stakes mm-hmm. um and we just got consistent. We had fun and we said, you want to play next week? Sure. And then we decided, how are Thursdays? 
and it just Thursdays became our day and it was just a matter of showing up every Thursday. Yeah. And, that and sounds magical. Yeah, that commitment. Yeah, the commitment's good. I was going to say there's a funny parallel to our podcast, Marty, because we kind of started out of COVID too, right? Making a song together and then we're like, hey, how, let's do this more. Uh, and all of a sudden we're, we're podcasting every week. Yeah. Yeah, and I've learned so much. I just like, <laughs> it's constant. It's, it's awesome. Uh, me too. I mean, doing the podcast has been probably like the single most valuable educational experience in my life in a lot of ways. Just that, wow. you know, I'm, I'm coming up on 300 episodes and um, Man. I, tr I try to do one a week. That's really what it is. And I mean, the people I've gotten to talk, sometimes I, I like say like, how did this happen? Like, when is somebody going to come up to me and say like, whoa, buddy, you don't belong here. Come on. You're off. The <laughs> you know, when is somebody <laughs> going to realize that I'm not qualified or I'm like, <laughs> like, bro. I don't know who you paid off or who you're fooling, but <laughs> but it's it's just been great and well, that's so good. much get you know I've learned so much and been able to apply so much of it. And well, that's comforting that you also have imposter syndrome because <laughs> oh, we yeah. because we when we were talking like, man, Brian actually uh, responded to us. That feels. <laughs> It feels undeserving, <laughs> somehow. <laughs> no, but it's no. been awesome talking to you. It's been awesome. Where where yeah. can people find your music, and where can people download your sample packs? So I got everything at brianfunk.com. Um, as of right now, you can't really find some good evil anywhere. Uh, you know, um, we've really decided not to make our entrance, whatever that means, until mm. we have our vinyls. We want to just have them and. Yeah, you know, but we'll get a stuff on like on a website. It's we we bought somegoodevil.com. I'll definitely be blabbering about it, you know, more and more as it as we get closer to that time, which we could be anywhere in the next couple months. Um, but yeah, I keep everything on brianfunk.com just to keep it simple. Perfect. Awesome. Well, yeah, thanks so much for having us on your podcast and jumping on ours and yeah hope to do it again sometimes just so so much fun there's so many good things to talk about i had a blast and i look forward to getting another chance to hang out with you guys and talk a bit yeah anytime all right till next time everybody thanks bye